0: Hello to all of you unconventional conventionists out there. Welcome to another episode of Rocky Talkie, the Rocky Horror Podcast, where we talk about anything and everything related to Rocky Horror. I'm Aaron. And I'm Meg. And if you're wondering where John is this week, we're lazy.
1: We're not lazy. We're just tired.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this week's been really fucking crazy for the both of us and uh, for John as well, so we're taking it a little easy this week. Uh, so before we get started, sweetie, what have you been up to?
1: Oh boy, I know that usually we would like to take a moment at the top of the show to talk about something we did this week that wasn't Rocky related. I don't think there's been a single thing that I've done outside work that wasn't Rocky related. Uh, it, A lot of our listeners might know, we've been working on some specialty cabaret style shows and we ended up booking two of them in the span of six days. So the past, I wanna say three weeks, we've been just in rehearsals almost every single night. We've had people over rehearsing their parts because the show is a little different than usual. So it's just been a little bit of a madhouse getting them all together. We did our first one last Saturday, and we're doing our second one Friday, and we're really excited about it. It's going to be a great show. Our one on Saturday was spectacular, but, man, I'm excited to take a break.
0: I feel you on that one.
1: We've got some fun stuff coming up this weekend, though.
0: Absolutely. We are... uh... Heading on up with uh, one of our cast members to RKO up in Providence. We're going to get to go see the fantastic stage show production that Justin's a part of up there. Uh, we're also checking out uh, the Menden Drive-In show. We're both going to be performing at that one. So, you know, what better way to relax from a, a week full of Rocky, but with more Rocky?
1: <laughs> it's going to be a really good time. We're really excited to hang out with our pals up there. And... Um, I have the hottest rocky ever at this drive-in show. Oh, it's who's Harley. Doing Rocky. It's Harley. Oh, yeah, it's okay. Harley. The hottest.
0: <laughs> well, and with that, I guess we better get straight into some a uh, global news. Now, I'm going to put this disclaimer up top here, guys. It's been such a crazy busy week that uh, we haven't had a lot of time to do research or check facts or, you know, really do much of anything with this. So you're getting an ultra super sweet tabloid edition of Rocky Talkie this week. If you're looking for some deep dive into historical facts, this is not the episode for you. But if you're looking for schlocky tabloid news... Oh, boy, do we have you covered.
1: Yeah, who needs research when you can have smut? (laughs) Starting off our uh, our smut fest here, there's going to be a new book coming out soon about the making of Grease. It's going to be released on June the 7th, and it's going to be celebrating the 50th anniversary of the musical's Broadway opening.
0: And I can hear you out there saying, Grease? That's not related to Rocky Horror. Well, just hold on there a second. This book, titled Grease, Tell Me More, Tell Me More, good title, good title, (laughs) is edited by three members of the original Broadway team. That's director Tom Moore, cast member Adrian Barbaro, that's who played Rizzo, and producer Ken Wiseman. A bunch of contributors to this book uh, from all of the different versions of the stage show and the film include Grease co-creator Jim Jacobs, cast members Barry Bostwick, Carol DeMa, Walter Bobby, john travolta and more and if you didn't catch it in there that's right barry boswick's doing some stuff for this barry boswick originated the role of danny Zuko in greece on broadway
1: wasn't adrian barbro like 35 years old when she played
0: rizzo uh i would go check wikipedia and find out but i ain't got time for that so yeah sure we'll call her 30 something excellent this
1: book explores the history of Greece as a show that began as a community theater production in a converted trolley barn in Chicago and how the show became an international phenomenon both on stage and screen.
0: I mean, I love Greece. I, you know, it's got catchy songs, it's got a fun plot. The stage show's far raunchier than the movie, but I mean, the movie's the one we all know, right?
1: Do you know what the song Grease Lightning is about? It's not about working on cars.
0: Nope. It's about fucking a girl. It's about pussy. Mm.
1: I didn't know it until I saw one of like the live uh, for TV Broadway things. And I listened to the words all the way through and um, it's dirty, you guys.
0: Did you know the whole thing about using saran wrap as a condom is, like, way over the top in the stage show? John Travolta wasn't allowed to do it in the movie, so he snuck in that little shimmy when he's up on the car and they throw him the the roll of saran wrap. And he just, like, shimmies it against his dick. Yeah, he snuck that one in there past the censors.
1: I mean, you got to teach kids sex ed somehow.
0: Not in the South, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck?
1: <laughs> So, sweetie, are you gonna be buying this book? Are we gonna have a new addition to the the book shelf?
0: <laughs> I don't know, probably not. I mean, Jacob will probably take offense, but I'm not super into just tangential stuff. That's a lie. Uh, I just, you know, there's so much shit about Greece out there. This would seems like a, a weird place to start if I was going to start diving into it. But uh, who knows? I might find it on sale somewhere, and uh, I can't deny myself a good book.
1: And uh, Jacob can come over and look at the pictures of Uncle Bear Bear.
0: Sure could. All right. If that sounded too much like regular news to you, we've got you good on this one. Susan Sarandon has been all over the tabloids in the last two weeks first up in our susan roundup she made the list of 20 hollywood stoners celebrating 420
1: wow that sounds like news to me
0: (laughs) that's right this was an article over on the new york post uh so you know we're not straying too far from real news (laughs) and (laughs) wow (laughs) That's the nicest
1: thing anyone's ever fucking said about the New York
0: Post. (laughs) I know, right?
1: So among Susan's peers on this list of 20 Hollywood stoners celebrating 420 are uh, Snoop Dogg, Seth Rogen, and Cheech and Chong. So she's in some pretty solid company. That sounds like a fun room to be in.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's also some shitty people on this list, like Elon Musk and uh, several others, but... Uh, Who the
1: if fuck you're... would want to get stoned with Elon Musk? Jesus Christ.
0: Alright, so if you're asking yourself, okay, cool, there must be a new Susan interview, where she's like, talking about smoking some ganja, rat right. No. No, that's not what would happen. Uh, this would not be the tabloids if it was. So uh, Susan's place on this list actually comes from a 2013 interview that she did with Andy Cohen, probably on Watch What Happens Live. I don't have time to fact check that, but I'm assuming it was, where she admitted that she showed up stoned to every single Hollywood event that she has ever been to, except for the Academy Awards. Okay.
1: Huh. Huh. I mean, I I guess that would be a good time,
0: probably. I don't know. So many cameras and lights blinking in your face. Like, that sounds like a bad fucking time to me. All right, Meg, what do you think about Andy Cohen? What do you think about this interview? I don't know if you've seen it.
1: Well, as somebody who works for Bravo TV, all I can say is um, Watch What Happens Live airs every night at midnight on Bravo. So be sure to check it out. And, um... Everything there is great. All of Bravo's content is fucking quality. Nice.
0: And if Susan hasn't been in our mouth enough this week, she got a little spicy over on Twitter, responding to the user, They Are Not A Boy 2, who tweeted at Susan saying, One of the worst things Hollywood ever did was stop making movies where Susan Sarandon gets to act slutty. Now more than ever. Susan responded saying, Quote, there's still plenty of time. Painting my toes emoji. Now, who knows what's the next film we're going to get to see Susan in, where she gets to slut it up. If you want to see Susan in all of her filthy philandering, well, I know of a little movie that airs every single week that you can go see or take off her top in. It's called Bold Durham, and it's currently airing at the... No, it's Rocky. Go see Rocky. She's a slut in Rocky.
1: Moving on to more Susan... Next up in Susan Sarandon not being able to keep her mouth shut. Susan is reportedly slated to play the villain of DC's Blue Beetle instead of Sharon Stone. Have you heard about this?
0: Yeah, uh, Sharon Stone was originally rumored to be cast as the new villain in DC's Blue Beetle movie, but apparently nobody told Sharon Stone. So instead, it sounds like Susan is going to be stepping in to play the brand new, invented for this movie, villain.
1: Oh, that's awkward for Sharon Stone. The rap announced that Susan Sarandon is now seemingly set to star as Victoria Cord, a new character that'll serve as the villain in DC's Blue Beetle. This is DC Films' first superhero movie that will star a Latino character in Cobra Kai's Zola Mariduena. Blue Beetle was originally developed for HBO Max, but it was recently shifted to a theatrical release of August 18th, 2023. While not much more has been revealed about the film, DC Fandom 2021 did reveal our first look at concept art for the live-action Blue Beetle suit. Sweetie, uh, do you have any comments on this? Any thoughts?
0: Well, as someone who works for DC's parent company, Warner Brothers, all I can say is DC Universe Infinite is now available in the UK and Australia, potentially coming to Brazil and South America later this year. It's great!
1: Excellent. (laughs) Moving on.
0: Last up in Susan Sarandon's inability to keep her stupid face out of the tabloids, Stephen Donzinger, an Upper West Sider and environmental lawyer who was arrested for taking on big oil, was freed last week from house arrest. On Twitter, Donzinger posted it's over. Just left with release papers in hand. Completely unjust that I spent even one day in this Kafkaesque situation.
1: Donzinger spent decades suing Texaco and then Chevron, which bought Texaco in 2001, challenging the oil giant with causing a, quote, mass industrial poisoning in the Amazon that crushed the lives of indigenous peoples. In 2011, an Ecuadorian court awarded his clients 30,000 indigenous peoples, $18 billion, a sum that was later reduced to $9.5 billion. Chevron said that Texaco's $40 million cleanup in the 1990s had already been deemed sufficient by the country, and it countersued.
0: Donzinger was charged in 2019 with criminal contempt of court for refusing to turn over his computer and other electronic devices to a district court judge. After fighting a long-standing battle with Chevron for ravaging the rainforest, he had become an environmental hero, although he was still found guilty and placed under house arrest.
1: Chevron then filed a RICO racketeering influenced and corrupt organizations suit against Donzinger. And in 2014, a U.S. district court judge ruled in Chevron's favor and said that Chevron didn't have to pay the $9.5 billion. But that wasn't enough. Chevron sued Donzinger again, demanding that he turn over his computer and electronic devices. Donzinger refused, citing attorney-client confidentiality.
0: But here's where it gets completely fucked. In 2019, the judge in the case took the highly, highly, highly unusual measure of appointing a private law firm to charge Donzinger with criminal contempt of court. Which
1: is fucked up.
0: Right. A private law firm charging criminal contempt. Absolute nonsense. I'm not aware of any other situation where this has ever happened. But Donzinger was still disbarred, and he was placed under house arrest and found guilty in July of 2021. In late October 2021, he began serving a six-month sentence in jail. Now... 29 nobel laureates described the treatment of Donzinger as quote judicial harassment and tons of high-profile activists like sting greta thunberg and even alexandria ocasio cortez rallied to support him in this ridiculous battle
1: and you guys might remember there were all kinds of rallies and protests and things going on outside the courts a few months ago when his his hearings were going on in the trial and Susan was a big part of that, too. She was in the tabloids during all of that going on. She was a really, really outspoken supporter of him all the way through.
0: But now that he's out of house arrest, you might be asking yourself, how could Susan Sarandon still stay relevant and in the tabloids?
1: Well, on Monday, a block party took place at 245 West 104th Street, where Donzinger lives.
0: Way to dox him.
1: Well, it was to celebrate his freedom, so now he can be doxed all he wants. <laughs> speakers included susan sarandon and chris smalls who led unionizing efforts against amazon
0: led unionizing efforts might be a little strong i hear that she just kind of showed up and made some phone calls but all right all right good that that saga is kind of over and uh maybe we don't have to see any more tweets about it
1: also congratulations to Donzinger. like that whole situation was such a clusterfuck i uh, He deserves to be free. He didn't deserve any of that shit that happened to him. He was trying to do the right thing, and I'm glad that it's settled and that the good guys won
0: out. Yeah, and the support of Susan and all of these other celebrities, that's kind of the most that they can do to, to put more eyes onto, you know, unjust situations like this.
1: And speaking of the good guys, Tim Curry has been trending in the news recently. Have you
0: seen this? Yeah, I assume it's because Tim's 76th birthday was on April 19th.
1: Yeah, in the run-up to his birthday, he was trending pretty hard on social media, which um, made a lot of people a little concerned, made him fear the worst.
0: But no, this was just your run-of-the-mill cash-in by news outlets. We got a ton of articles congratulating Tim on his birthday with such hard-hitting pieces as you can tell a lot about a person depending on which role they best remember Tim Curry for. Did you know he was in Clue? OMG, LOL! And also, this was my favorite, Tim Curry is not dead, he just suffered a stroke. Which, yes, true, but also, cool, that's some news from 2016.
1: What a thing to say. So, yeah, thanks for the hard-hitting reporting there.
0: Oh, well, happy birthday, Tim.
1: Happy birthday, Tim. Glad you're not dead, and that you just suffered a stroke.
0: Speaking of hard-hitting reporting that might give you a stroke, we've got a (laughs) blink-and-you-missed-it Rocky reference this week up on Capitol Hill. This piece of tabloid fodder comes to us from community legend Ron Maxwell. He caught this content on Facebook, thought it was funny as hell, and sent it on over to Meg. I'm sorry.
1: Democratic Senator Jamie Raskin eviscerated... Marjorie Taylor Greene, on the House floor for turning the chamber into, quote, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Normally, we wouldn't even remotely cover this, but, you know, tabloids.
0: So, okay, on Thursday, the White House called on Congress to pass an additional $33 billion in aid to Ukraine's attempt to fend off Russia's ongoing invasion of the country. Members of the House gave floor speeches about the package until... (sighs) green rose to rail against the biden administration's border policies she i don't know urged the chamber to pass some bill that would ban the executive branch from i, I don't know it was some crazy q on bullshit bill right. so anyway she said quote we should be taking extreme seriousness to this invasion at our southern border
1: yeah God, what right. a fucking idiot Green's off-topic speech rightfully pissed off Raskin, who folks out there might remember is the star attorney for the prosecution in former President Cheeto's second impeachment trial. He ripped the idiot freshman congresswoman for discussing an irrelevant topic during debate and mocked her for heckling him during a speech earlier this month. He said quote, "It was like the Rocky Horror Picture Show in here."
0: But hey. We're here to fill some time, so here's a low-effort clip of Raskin's actual comments. She had a lot to say the other day when she heckled me continuously. When I came to the floor, it was like the Rocky Horror Picture Show in here with her chanting about the Russia hoax and Russia this and Russia that. Now she had the opportunity to tell the world what her views about Russia are. I put them out there, exactly what she has said. She said that the aid that the taxpayers of America are sending to the people of Ukraine to defend themselves against Vladimir Putin and the Russian army falls into the hands of Nazis. I want to see her proof.
1: Now, in absolutely no way would we ever give two shits about this QAnon crackpot Marjorie Taylor Greene bitch whose name has fucked over Google searches for Magic the Gathering for the last several years.
0: (laughs) But we would like to take offense at comparing Rocky Horror to her idiotic and incoherent ramblings. Listen, Rocky callbacks are usually timely, on-topic, coherent, and often funny. That's a bar that Congress's dumbest bimbo can't even manage to limbo under, let alone reach.
1: Yeah, fuck that bitch. And dear politicians, to quote the Fresh Prince himself, keep our movie's name out your fucking mouth.
0: On a lighter note, it appears that Jason Donovan is set to star in a pantomime in Southampton this Christmas.
1: What? What the fuck is this? This is like borderline real news. How'd that end up in our tabloid
0: episode. Well, in 1998, Donovan took the lead role of Dr. Frankenfurter in the UK touring production of The Rocky Horror Show. Ooh. It was on that production where he met stage manager Angela Malek. After the pair had a brief relationship, Malek became pregnant and gave Donovan an ultimatum. He had to kick his longtime drug habit once and for all if he wanted to be part of their child's life. So... That happened in 1998, and in late 1999, Donovan stated that he was still using cocaine, saying, I still have a joint and I still take coke, but, but, not as much as I did two years ago. Wow.
1: Okay, progress.
0: In 2011, though, he stated that he has been drug-free since 2000. That's the year his first child was actually born.
1: Okay, good. Well, there's the tabloid bullshit. Rescued that one.
0: <laughs> Just barely.
1: And with that, let's move this dumpster fire on over to some community news. More like a cum dumpster, right?
0: Right. So speaking of, (laughs) here's an actually interesting article this week from Far Out Magazine. It's titled, What It Is Really Like To Be In The Rocky Horror Picture Show Shadowcast. Thank God, I've always wondered. This is an
1: autobiographical piece written by Jamie Kahn, who was on a Shadowcast for three years back in the early 2010s. Jamie writes, quote, I donned my red lipstick, sparkly jacket, and tap shoes and stepped into the role of Columbia roughly once a month and much more during the Halloween season. It was a blast and that's obviously why I kept doing it for so long. Especially considering that, on the whole, it's an entirely unproductive pastime with no discernible transferable skills.
0: Oh yeah, if there's one thing our community knows, you're never going to learn anything doing Rocky. Nope. And wow, three whole years? I mean, that's almost like 40 performances. We gotta get this bitch up on the show.
1: (laughs) Giving Art Laurie a run for his money. (laughs) Anyway, Jamie got one thing right. She said, quote, It's like, we're too punk for the theater kids, but we're too much like theater kids for the punks.
0: Does she not know any punk theater kids? Because I got a whole list of them here on Facebook.
1: (laughs) Well, if you're judging Jamie's credentials, stop right there, because here you go. She said, people were best friends, partners, hookups, and everything in between in the cast. Our main Brad and Janet were dating in real life. I knew a Frankenfurter whose mother had played Magenta in her time. Oh, and I also dated Rocky on and off for about a year.
0: Okay, alright, alright, I take it all back. Cast Incest will get you a completely free pass. I wouldn't be so sure. She goes on to write,
1: Since Columbia has the most costume changes out of any character in the show... I was basically always in a rush the moment I left stage to go tear off some article of clothing and put something else on immediately after. Since Floor Show comes after touch-up, I always had to wear a corset and thigh highs underneath the only comfortable costume I had. The pajamas. Such fun. Yo, that makes it so much easier to, to do that quick change so you don't gotta rush off so fast.
0: Hold, hold, Hold on here. I know we said that we weren't gonna be checking any facts in this one, but... Just a second here. Columbia has the most costume changes. All right. So Colombia. I'm, I'm, I'm even going to give you one for free. I'm going to say that taking off the collar and the tailcoat and the hat counts as a costume change. I will even give you, that's one. Sweetie, you want to keep track? All right, fine. That's one. I will, I will even say that putting on the apron and the mask counts as a second costume change. Okay, that's two. And then from there, she puts on Floor Show and her pajamas. Mm Mm-hmm. Point of order. Columbia is wearing mules when she is in her pajamas. So if you were wearing heels underneath them, you are making your own life a little more difficult.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so she puts on her floor show and her pajamas, and then do we count taking off the pajamas as another costume change?
0: Sure, sure. Even taking off the pajamas counts as another costume change because you got to put those heels on, although it seems like she didn't. I don't know if she even took off her shoes in between this. It sounds ridiculous. So what's that? Where are we at? Four? We're at four costume changes. Four whole costume changes. All right. Isn't that the same number of costume changes that Eddie Dr. Scott has? If I'm being just as accurate, you know what? Maybe I mean, maybe there's one out there that i counting taking has off
1: clothes. Janet takes off more clothes than that. Janet goes wedding scene to pink dress, which is a full costume change. One. And then she takes off her whole outfit on stage, which Two. counts fucking apparently. Two. Okay, then she gets into floor show. Three. And then she rips off her slip, which counts because we're counting taking off clothes. Three. And then she gets into floor show.
0: Four. And, and, sweetie.
1: She gets into floor show in like 45 seconds, whereas Columbia has a whole song to do it.
0: Sweetie, you forgot. She's got to put on that pink robe. That's five whole costume changes for Janet.
1: Oh, motherfucker.
0: I believe she also takes off the pink robe, so I guess that's actually six. Anyway, not to give you a hard time, Jamie, but you're wrong. So anyway, (laughs) don't worry if you thought this piece wasn't fluffy enough to be included in our tabloid roundup. Oh boy, Jamie's got you with her thought-provoking wrap-up to the piece. She says, quote, Even though Rocky Horror Culture has changed with the times, it's clear to me, as someone who wasn't even born in the early days, that the most important parts have stood the test of time. And by that, of course, I mean the stilettos. Obviously. I mean, sure, they're really difficult if you wear them with your pajamas.
1: Oh, Janet takes off her barrettes in the elevator, so that's seven. Fuck you, Jamie.
0: God damn it.
1: Alright, we're mean. This was a cute write-up. It, it's tongue-in-cheek, but, you know, tabloid reporting, we're gonna take our shots.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's always fun to see somebody who was a part of the community writing about it, and we hope, Jamie, that if you're out there and listening, I don't know why you would be, that you don't take our comments too offensively. You wrote a good article. It was fun to see, and we're glad that you had a great time when you were part of a Rocky Horror cast. It's just a fun thing, and, you know, we're gonna take some shots. I'm
1: sorry you didn't come away with any discernible life skills.
0: Yeah, what a shame.
1: R.I.P. And if you want to go from taking shots to doing shots, I've got a feeling uh, that's what our next writer was doing this week.
0: Maybe it was something else, because this was over on Inside Higher Ed. Hey. A <laughs> Marijuana. No. no, no. Actually, that is a blog dedicated to collegiate educators. And just last week, they posted an article titled, A Theater Department's Response to the Internal Auditor.
1: The piece is, quote, How one academic administrator might answer questions about the department's use of unusual resources, say, stiletto heels. Author Kathy Johnson Bowles uses our favorite film for the vast majority of her examples.
0: Listen, let's not get too shitty. I'm pretty sure it's Kathy Johnson Bowles, but that's okay.
1: <laughs> Bowt b- b- balls.
0: Anyway guys, <laughs> this piece is actually completely in earnest, and it's honestly a pretty good read if you're in a theater department or somewhere in higher education, and you're kind of not familiar with how to structure a professional response about some of the more eyebrow-raising topics and purchases that you might be making as part of your stage show.
1: So we're just going to pick a couple of our favorites from this article here because a lot of them are really funny. So we talked about the stiletto heels. What about um, sex toys and penis whistles from Priscilla's where fun and fantasy meet?
0: So here's a suggested response if you're trying to tell your internal theater department auditor why you purchased a number of sex toys and penis whistles. Vibrators and other related items were used as props in the play In the Next Room, also known as the Vibrator Play. The play has been performed on Broadway, located in New York, New York, and won three (laughs) Tony Awards, the highest award in the American theater profession. The Penis Whistles toy-like, plastic in nature, and not dissimilar to an Oscar Mayer mobile whistle, but in the shape of a penis, were used in a production of Barcelona, A Love Untold. See attached affidavit provided by the student actress's grandmother who saw both productions in person. The prop master respectfully wishes me to convey that if he wanted to purchase such objects for his personal use, he would not have endured the embarrassment of using a university P-card and tax-exempt number. Straightforward? All right. I will never question you ordering penis whistles ever again. Cool. Absolutely. I personally like this one. The rationale for reoccurring purchases, subsection A, in justifying five gallons of Skull vodka from Good Spirits fine wine and beverages.
1: Oh, come on. This is an easy one. So the justification for this skull vodka purchase is obviously vodka is used to make what is commonly known in the theater profession as costume water which is the grossest way i've ever heard that put vodka spray come on
0: vodka spray
1: during the show's run actors may uh, exude certain bodily fluids in liquid and gaseous form that may be absorbed by their costumes and create lingering unpleasant and offensive odors Production schedules do not afford the time to send costumes to a dry cleaner, which is expensive and would ruin some of the custom effects on the fabric. So, a mixture of vodka and astringent, if you want, Sea Breeze being the preferred brand, is sprayed on the costumes to freshen them up. This hypoallergenic method is safer, cheaper, and more effective than using commercial products. Please note the mixture is not drinkable, not with that attitude. Any temporarily unused straight vodka is secured in a locked desk drawer to prevent students from accessing it. Or if you happen to be in a theater, sometimes you spray it into your mouth and uh, get a little fun.
0: I mean, it says everything you need to know. Students couldn't get at it.
1: I exactly.
0: certainly don't know of any theater professors out there who might have a drinking problem, so it's safe and secure in their locked desk right next to their ice bucket and assortment of rocks glasses. My favorite one on here, though, and this is a throwback to Jamie's article before, Stiletto Heels from DragQueenShoes.com. The justification for this one? These shoes were purchased for the production of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. That's very unusual, doing the Rocky Horror Picture Show on stage. I would have assumed it would have been the Rocky Horror Show, but you do you. Photos of the actors wearing said items can be found on the department's webpage. The costume designer wishes to remind you she wears a women's size 6.5. Photos of her shoes and her wearing her shoes are also attached. If you wish to examine her shoes and compare them with the shoes used for the production, please make an appointment with her during her office hours. The rationales for related wig and hosiery purchased are forthcoming. Was that just an invitation to the auditor to like
1: come look at my shoes mr auditor i can't imagine any auditor for a theater department being confused as to why shoes were purchased though the others i kind of get
0: Right? Like, okay, you got to buy a fuck ton of vodka. Yeah, that's going to show up as a line item that they got to check out. Or, like, random weird penis whistles. Okay. Or sex toys. Fine. I mean, these are all things that you're like, hey, wait a minute. The shop department's only buying a couple of sex toys. Why, you need 20 of them. But stiletto heels are just, like, run of the fucking mill. So, all right, cool. I mean, this is obviously not a real telling of these things. But I thought these were kind of cool. And actually broaches the topic of, you know... When you are accountable to somebody else for your purchases, even if they're ridiculous, you just have to be as straight-faced as possible and tell them exactly what they're for. Nobody on your Rocky cast is going to question having to buy 15 dildos. But in a college situation, if you're using, you know, cast-funded money that comes from, like, your school's organization or something, you got to be prepared that these questions might kind of come up.
1: Just a fun aside, I recently purchased five dildos for our show.
0: Well, you had to purchase a small child steering wheel to go with them.
1: I did. It's a pirate ship steering wheel. And we attached the dildos to them, and uh, it made our Starship Honeycomb.
0: Yeah, actually looks really cool and gives Frank something to deep throw play with during uh creation scene.
1: Yeah, it's real wiggly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wrapping it up for today's show, we've got some pretty tabloid-worthy show announcements that came across to our desk this week. First up is the Rocky Horrid Murder Show.
1: The Rocky Horrid Murder Show. Mm-hmm. Doesn't ring a bell. Anyway, so the plot of this show, that sounds like no other show I've ever heard of ever in my life... The mysterious scientist Dr. Frankenfeather invites you to join him as he welcomes his miraculous new creation into the world. But watch out, his eccentric staff have schemes afoot, and when a newlywed couple are stranded en route to their honeymoon, power, plots, and passions are unleashed and someone doesn't survive the night. Can you solve the murder in this totally horrid dinner theater tribute to the cult classic movie The Rocky Horror Picture Show? Oh, that's what it is. (laughs) adults only dress code the outrageous is encouraged suspenders and stilettos basques and boots or perhaps young newlyweds in their going away outfits if all of that sounds too scary casual clothes are fine
0: This murder-tastic dinner experience is going to be held at the Concord Club in Eastleigh, Hampshire on Friday, the 16th of September. Tickets are only 49 pounds and available at murderedformoney.co.uk.
1: How many Frank Jackets is that?
0: Uh, No facts today, sweetie. No facts. Fuck.
1: But this isn't just your regular old interactive murder mystery. It's murder and dinner. So they've got a whole menu here for us. To start, you can have Brussels pate or sweet potato falafel. As a main course, you can have a spooky supreme of chicken, a creepy pork ribeye steak, or a terrifying Mediterranean vegetable tart. And for dessert, you can have a chocolate and black cherry brownie, a trio of cheese, or a fresh filter coffee in chocolate mint flavor.
0: Uh, I will point out, not to check your facts or anything, but none of these were described as spooky, terrifying, or anything else. It seems like they really dug into the uh, whole aesthetic and theme here. Uh, I think I will have the sweet potato falafel, followed by the not going to this because it's in the UK. But honestly, this sounds fucking fun. Wouldn't you guys want to go to a murder mystery that's Rocky Horror themed? Plus dinner? I think I would. I'm down for it. The trio of cheese comes with celery. Oh, celery.
1: I've never heard of celery paired with cheese before, but I'm here
0: for it. Well, you'll be happy to know gluten-free biscuits are available. Yes. Wait, is that biscuits like UK biscuits? So Cookies? Wait, but a cookie is a cracker?
1: No, a biscuit is a, a cookie, I think, and
0: a a cookie is a i don't know uh, wh- well last up we've got <laughs> no a... facts <laughs> <laughs> well last up we've got a quick plug for the rust belt theater company's production of the rockin horribles audience participation show it runs all the way through this weekend you heard that right it's the stage show that says we couldn't get the actual stage show rights so we wrote a whole other play instead
1: so this show revolves around a painfully basic couple, Chad and Becky. After crashing their car in a neighborhood on the wrong side of the tracks, the couple find themselves seeking refuge in the estate of an eccentric recluse who has a very unusual fetish.
0: With the assistance of creepy cohorts Jab, Fuchsia and Colombiana, the recently engaged couple tests the boundaries and limitations of their gender identities and their traditional relationship. The result is an evening of dark comedy, audience participation, and rocking horror that is rated R for adult language and situations. I don't know how you get an MPAA rating on a stage show, but apparently they've done it.
1: Fabulous. Tickets are only $15, and participation bags with props to throw at the actors will also be available at the door for $5.
0: The Rust Belt Theater Company production of The Rockin' Horribles Audience Participation Show runs through May 1st at the theater in Youngstown, Ohio. Tickets are only $15 and are available on Eventbrite. I don't know, I mean, it sounds like a spoof of a spoof of a spoof... Sure, why not? Let's get meta with this bitch.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. The only thing better than, like, a shitty fucking cult B-movie has gotta be, like, a spoof of a shitty fucking cult B-movie. This sounds like a great time. I would watch the shit out of this.
0: Well, if you're in Ohio, go check it out. Let us know how it is, and uh, let us know if maybe it's a show that we should be putting on all over the world. It sounds great. Please,
1: if you go, write to us and tell us about it, because I am dying to know. This sounds fantastic.
0: And that means it's time for us to end. Tabloids are short, and so is this episode. Sorry, guys. We'll be back next week with some actual Ask a Question segments. We just got to wrap this one up here.
1: If anyone has a question that they would like us to answer on air for our ACK segment maybe some community news they'd like us to talk about, or even a cool story to share with the community, we would love to include it in the show, you guys. Just go to our website, Rocky Talkie Podcast, and fill out our contact form to tell us all about it.
0: If you're enjoying Rocky Talkie, you know how to help us out. Go and rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It makes the podcast more accessible to new listeners, and that helps us grow the show.
1: And if you want even more of our 10 out of 10 10- A-tier Rocky Talkie content. Tune in next week or check out our show on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. All at Rocky Talkie Podcast.
0: We'll talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
1: Can I take a nap?
0: (laughs) No, we have shit to do.
1: God, I need a nap.